We'll be looking at a couple of verses there this evening. And when I first began looking into the book of Titus, the book of Titus is closely tied with, of course, Timothy and especially Second Timothy. Paul there is writing to Titus about church order. As a matter of fact, Paul said in verse number 5 of chapter number 1, For this cause... Left I thee in Crete, that thou mayest set in order the things that are wanting. So this book is about church order. And it's uh, specifically, there were two purposes. Paul wrote the book, this letter to Titus, first of all, uh, to exhort him in good scriptural Christian behavior. How you should behave yourself as a Christian. The second thing that he wrote about was that, uh, Titus, you are to be an example to others. And especially others who are lost. The lost. These are the ones that Paul was writing to. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul is urging Titus in these verses... Uh, Paul is urging Titus in the most compelling manner that he could to be an example, to be an example for uh, those who are there in the church and uh, then those who are not in the church there on the island of Crete. Uh, Paul, as I said, verse number 5, gave uh, his intention, the reason for sending Titus there, in verses 6 through 9 of chapter number 1, uh, there Paul writes about the qualifications uh, of church leaders and uh, the elder or the pastor of the church, uh, those qualifications. He wrote that in verse number 11 through verse number 16 that, Titus, you're going to face opposition. Anytime you're doing something for God, there are going to be people who are going to oppose you and Satan is going to oppose you. So Paul warned Titus uh, that there were going to be, verse number 10, many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Titus, you're going to run into religious people that are going to be against you and against what you're doing. And we face that today. We still face those today who would be opposed to what we are doing for God. In chapter number 2, there Paul uh, begins to give instruction to the people of the church. In verse number 2, the aged men. Verse 3, the aged women. In verse number uh, 4, the young women. Verse number 6, the young men. Number 9, uh, verse 9, uh, servants and how they should conduct. It, it's about Christian conduct. So that's what this book focuses on. But it's like in the middle of this, in the middle of this, uh, Paul begins writing about and telling Titus uh, how he should conduct himself in light of the coming of the Lord. For we know that Jesus is coming. 
Uh, we were talking with uh, someone earlier here on the podium about going down to the Atlanta City Auditorium uh, back in the early 70s and hearing a, a brand new group from Bryson City, North Carolina called the Inspirations. And they would sing, Jesus is coming soon, morning, night, or noon. And we know that Jesus is coming. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul told Titus in verse number 13, he said, looking for... In light of the coming of Christ, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. As Paul's writing in this section, it's like uh, he, he took a pause. And as he is writing about the conduct of people uh, in the church, uh, for he said that, Uh, It's the grace of God, the grace of God that has appeared unto all men. Or this grace of God, that's, that's God's plan. And as Paul begins laying out this section uh, of the letter, he, he talks about God's plan. That plan that God had was all of grace. And that plan that we're talking of co- about, of course, is that plan of salvation. There was no plan B, no plan C, no plan D. We were talking about doing some uh, work the other day and we were looking at remodeling and restructuring uh, some rooms and doing some things. And they said, well, if this doesn't work, then we'll do that. If plan A doesn't work, we'll have a plan B and a plan C. And hopefully one of those three will work. And if not, we'll go to plan X, Y, and Z. God never did that. God had one plan, and one plan for the salvation of all. For it's the grace of God that bringeth salvation. He has appeared unto all men. And he tells us that in verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously uh, in and godly in this present world. Uh, in these verses, uh, verse number 12 and verse number 13, Paul begins to write about the relationship that Titus would have there as uh, the leader, the pastor of the church in Crete. There are going to be relationships that he's going to have that are this way. They're going to be with people. And a pastor has to be, out of necessity, a people person. You you can't live above the people. Uh, You can't feel like you are better than or greater than. Uh, We deal with and we work with people. And here he said that uh, we're the Holy Spirit, that God, as he's appeared, he's teaching us that we should deny ungodliness, worldly lust, and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, being an example to those who are around us. So there are these horizontal, these relationships uh, where we reach out. And we pray for one another and we help one another and we're an example for one another. And if one falls, we try to lift them up and we try to help them. Uh, This is the relationships that we have here. But the next relationship that Paul talks about is that relationship that we have with God. Uh, We are here on, on the earth, in the earth. We're here in this place, but in fact, we're always looking for 
We're always watching for that glorious appearing, that blessed hope of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's this relationship that we have with God. Uh, this relationship, uh, it, it's the basis of all that we do. The relationship that goes outward, the relationship that goes upward, it's all based on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where all of our relationship, whether it be godly or whether it be uh, to one another, all of our relationships, they begin with the cross. Now think about looking for, looking for uh, this blessed, that blessed hope. Everything, everything that is going on around us, uh, you watch the news, you keep up with the news. Uh, I try not to watch much news. I get too depressed, especially watching local news. Uh, I, I get tired of hearing who got shot and what apartment building caught on fire and how many potholes there are in the streets of Atlanta. I know all of that already. That's not news anymore. Now, don't think I'm unsympathetic. I, I don't, don't get me wrong in that, but... Uh, be careful. It's very depressing. The news you listen to, it, it, you, you can get very depressed watching the news. You have to regulate how much you take in. Whenever we're, we, we see the news or we read news, and that's what I do more than anything is reading because then I can kind of pick and choose uh, what I'm going to keep up with. Uh, but whenever we're doing that, uh, we realize that everything that's going on around us, the direction that this world is going in, everything is gravitating toward the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the things that are happening here on this earth, Jesus predicted them in Matthew chapter number 24 and 25. Uh, these things, uh, they must come to pass. Jesus said, they must come to pass. And uh, all these things that are happening where it's gravitating toward the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about uh, the spiritual condition of the church and the formalities that we see in religion, all of that, that apostasy, walking away from the truths of God, is all gravitating toward the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I went back and I looked through some of uh, Brother Mays Jackson. Uh, years ago, if a, a young man was called to preach... Uh, you could write to P.O. Box 6 in Atlanta, Georgia, and he would send you a set of what uh, he called the gold nuggets. It was a, a group, a, 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 a book of sermon outlines, and they published them every month, and they would send them out. And uh, you, I, I went through those gold nuggets, and I found an, an old outline about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whenever we preach the second coming, it's a loud call to watchfulness. We know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. That's what Paul told Titus, looking for, looking for a loud call to watchfulness. Be watching. His return could happen at any moment. 
I, I think back, I, I don't remember when it was in my past, but uh, there was a time many years ago in my past uh, that I realized that the Lord Jesus Christ was coming. My dad was a preacher, and uh, I heard him preach many times on uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He's coming back. And uh, I believe it with all of my heart. And just because He hasn't come back yet doesn't mean that He isn't coming. He is coming. And He will come in His time. Whenever He is ready to, to return, He will come back at that appointed time. And until then, what we are doing is we are watching and waiting and anticipating that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where it's a loud call to watchfulness, it develops patience. We patiently wait on that coming, on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It promotes heavenly mindedness. If we are focusing on, if we're meditating on and realizing Jesus is coming at any moment, then we are thinking of heavenly things. It's heavenly mindedness. It brings hope. It brings inspiration. Uh, It brings a desire for holiness. Uh, It safeguards against discouragement. It will stir up a missionary zeal. When I think about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I've used this illustration many times uh, in Spurgeon's book, Lectures to My Students. Uh, While he was teaching a class, uh, he had a young man in one of his classes who raised his hand. He said, Dr. Spurgeon, what is God going to do with those who live in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa? What will God do with them? How will God treat them? And uh, Dr. Spurgeon said, young man, I'm not so concerned about what God will do as to what we will do. Until Jesus comes back, we have the responsibility to go into the all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, our preacher did a great job with that uh, this past Sunday night. Uh, the, the necessity and the need and the commandment to go and to preach the gospel, the preaching of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it stirs up a missionary zeal. It brings conviction to the lost. Preaching the second coming, it teaches us about God's purpose for the ages. And number 10, it lets us know about a reunion with Christ, uh, with our loved ones. For the Lord Jesus Christ, He is coming. And what Paul invoked to Timothy was to be looking for that blessed hope. When Paul is writing this letter, there are some who believe that uh, this should have been included in the prison epistles. And uh, as Paul is writing this, Paul very well uh, could have been in prison as he was writing. You think about uh, a lot of times someone who is in prison, uh, they don't have any hope. They they may be uh, discouraged And especially uh, Paul the Apostle who was wrongly imprisoned. Uh, He should have no hope. He, He should not be encouraged but would be discouraged. But yet whenever he should have no hope, uh, he still had hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there are times when uh, we feel that we have no hope and there's nothing that we can do when we feel so helpless. But it's at that time that we can place our hope and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and look for His appearing, His return. We can have confidence, confidence in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about this hope, Whenever the world thinks of hope, uh, they think about an uncertain. Uh, worldly hope has an uncertain potential or an uncertain outcome. Uh, many times we say uh, that something may or may not happen. We say, well, I sure hope so. I hope it happens. We are not certain of the outcome or what potential uh, there may be. But that is not the kind of hope that we have. We have a biblical hope. We have a scriptural hope. We have a godly hope. Uh, A biblical hope is an expectation of a certain, a true outcome. Something that will surely come to Past The hope that the world may have, they say it might happen, it may come to pass, but our hope, the hope that we rest in, it is the assured expectation of God fulfilling His promise. Jesus said, He's standing there on the Mount of Ascension. He's about to ascend up into the heavens. Uh, He died on the cross. He was in the grave. He arose again. He was here on the earth for for 40 days. He had been teaching and and preaching during those 40 days. And now he's about to ascend up into the heavens. And as he is ascending up into heavens in Acts chapter number 1, the angels, uh, they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heavens? Uh, That... Word or phrase gazing up, it means staring up dumbfounded. Like, can you believe what you just saw? I cannot believe it. Wow. And they're standing there just staring. What just happened? What did the angel say? Why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus... This same Jesus will come again in like manner. And I believe that He will. I believe that one day the Lord Jesus Christ Himself is going to split the eastern skies. That the Lord Jesus Christ with the armies of heaven, that He is coming again. We have a certain hope. We have faith in His return. Uh, We are are posturing ourselves uh, and we are prepared for uh, this coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are looking for. We are always, always, it's in our our mind. It may not be in the front of our mind, but it always should be somewhere in our mind, in the back of our mind somewhere. Sometimes it'll be in the front, sometimes in the middle, sometimes in the back. And praise the Lord, I got a mind for it to be in. It may be rattling around in there, bouncing off the sides. But still, uh, I'm looking for, I'm looking for. It's a constant. You're constantly uh, looking and we're reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. It reminds me of the very first time uh, that I had gone to India. Uh, I went with another missionary 
we were not missionaries at that time. I was pastoring at that time. But the first time I went to India, uh, when we were coming back, you know, flights are uncertain. You hope they come in on time. You never know uh, when they're going to come in. And it's Janet was there at the airport waiting for the flight to arrive. And we had a, a predetermined place for us to meet. We were going to meet out, you know, out by the baggage carousels. You come to the baggage carousel, uh, I'll come up uh, out off the terminal and I'll come up and we'll meet at the baggage carousels and we'll, I'll get my luggage. And so she's there waiting. She doesn't know when I'm going to arrive, but she knows that at any time she heard the announcement, Delta Flight XYZ's just landed and uh, they're deboarding, they're deplaning at this. So she knew we were on the ground, but she didn't know when I would meet her there. And this, this is the first time in our marriage that we had ever been apart uh, more than, say, one day. We had ne- we'd always been together. And as I came out and started heading toward the baggage carousels, I saw her on the other side of the airport, the Atlanta airport. And she throws her hands up and she starts running towards me. You've seen those love stories, those romantic movies, you know, where a man's on this side and a woman's on that side and they're running towards each other and they finally embrace in each other's arms. That was what it was like. And... Janet looked at me, and I'll never forget, tears in her eyes. And she said, never, ever, ever leave me for that long again. And so it is. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. We know He's coming. We know He's going to appear. And when He comes, it won't be this long, slow run. No, it'll be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be changed. We'll meet Him in the clouds. But that same Jesus, uh, He's coming again. He's coming again. This is our blessed hope. We have a hope uh, that uh, we know is sure, it's certain. It's as sure as uh, the very words of God Himself. This word blessed, this blessed hope, uh, the word that Paul used when he was writing there to Titus uh, was the, the word makarios, makarios. And what it simply means is for someone's greater good, for someone's supreme good. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, it is for our greater good. It is supremely for us. It is the best outcome that could ever happen to any one of us. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. This is not 
speaking well of someone or thinking well of someone. No, it is acting in the best interest of that other person. So this hope that we have, it's in our best interest. God's provided it. God settled it. God's promised it. And it is for our greatest good. This blessed hope. And this appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where God himself had promised uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Second Peter 1.19 There Peter wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arises in your hearts. This promise based upon uh, the very word of God. Mark 13, 31. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. This blessed hope, this great promise, this promise that God's given us, God repeats it over and over and over and over again. This coming April, Janet and I will be celebrating 48 years of marriage. And there's some ways that we've been able to stay together that long. Number one, I behave myself. And number two, I say, yes, ma'am, a lot. That, that works real good at our house. But you know, one thing that I've always tried to do is to tell her over and over again on a daily basis more than one time is I love you. I love you. When I leave to come to the church uh, in the mornings and I'm here uh, working and doing the things that I need to do, uh, when I leave the house, we get, have a small kiss and I say, I love you. I'll see you later on. When I come in the door, good to see you. Uh, made it home safe. I love you. I'll, I'll call her on the phone. Love you. See you soon. But I tell her over and over and over again. And God has promised us and told us this isn't a one-time thing. But God said over and over and over again and promised us, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's a glorious hope. This second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's some great contrasts of the first coming and the second coming. His birth in a manger. And his return with the armies of heaven. The first time he came, he was born in a manger. He's the king of all kings and lord of all lords. Yet he was lowly, lying in a manger. The first time that he came, there was no palace. There was no great city, no. It was a small place called Bethlehem, Judah. It's where he was born. It wasn't where kings were born when the wise men from the east came looking for him. Uh, they looked for him in the palace. He was not in the palace. He wasn't wearing the robes of royalty. No, he was wearing swaddling clothes. Uh, these were strips of cloth that you would wrap, the, the shepherds wrapped 
the lambs in. And that's another sermon altogether right there. We'll need to go to that one one day. That's a good one. But the strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, the shepherds would wrap their lambs in. There was no great city. There was just some lowly ministry. Uh, most of Jesus' ministry covered about 30 miles from Nazareth and south to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Uh, it wasn't a great worldwide ministry. It wasn't a great worldwide uh, campaign. He was scorned. He was ridiculed. He was forsaken. He was mocked. He was crucified. But these things will not happen at His second coming. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes a second time, there are three words in the New Testament that describe the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The first word uh, that we see there is parousia. That parousia, it is the personal presence, the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will not be a spiritual movement as some will teach. It will not be uh, a uh, someone else. It will not be a spirit. Uh, it, but it will be the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And uh, this appearance, this appearance, it will be glorious. It will be a glorious appearance. Uh, Epiphania. It will be uh, appearing in great glory. For when the Lord Jesus Christ comes... In the second psalm, it speaks about this, who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory that, who is coming? But it's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is coming. Uh, this glorious appearing is what Paul told Titus. That it's going to be a glorious appearing. And then there's going to be an apocalypsis, which is a revelation. There's going to be an unveiling to all the world in the the book of Zechariah and also in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7. We read also uh, in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 19 that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, there's going to be a great revelation, a great unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ to all the people of this world. They are going to know that it is Christ and Christ alone who is coming. He is our hope. He's our expectation. He's going to be revealed to us one day. He is our focus. The Bible says that He is a, a great hope. He is a great deliverer. For We read in verse number 11 about this grace of God. This grace of God uh, that bringeth salvation. For it's by grace and through faith that we're birthed into and we're given this salvation of God. And here we see uh, the one who is our salvation. He is our Savior. Savior, uh, that word is a, it just simply means our deliverer. He's the one who has delivered us from sin. He's the one in verse number 14 says, He gave Himself for us. He has redeemed us from all iniquity. And then He has set us aside as a 
uh, peculiar people as purified unto himself, a special people. For this coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was in the plan of God and we're looking for his return. And all of this was, was brought about. It was all done by the person of. In verse number 11, we see the plan of God. In verse number uh, 14, we see the person of God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. He gave Himself. He has redeemed us. What a great God He is. What a great Savior that He is. For every time uh, we read that, the Bible says He is our Savior. That is our Deliverer. The one who has saved us. Jesus Christ. Anytime you see the word Christ, that is in the New Testament, that is the same as the Old Testament word Messiah. That's who he is. Israel today, they're looking for the first appearing of the Messiah. But I'm not looking for the first appearing, I'm looking for the second coming of our great God. And Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He's coming back. Are you looking? Are you longing? Are you waiting? Are you anticipating? Look up. Look up. When all these things around us begin to fall apart, look up. For your redemption draweth. Nigh, getting closer and closer and closer. This coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together.